You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Well, I'm excited about tonight. Uh, the word that the Lord gave me, uh, I've been stewarding for about a month, and I'm excited to release it. I think something very powerful is going to be activated tonight in us as a people. And I really believe there's something beautiful happening in us as a people. I believe there's a beautiful work of grace that God's doing at Riverhouse. Amen? And there's a beautiful work of grace around family. And family's one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. And I'm just excited about what the Lord wants to do tonight. And I believe the Lord wants to activate us in a deeper way tonight with family. So let's just pray and ask him to do that. Amen? Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now as your people. We invite you to come and to move among us. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and activate us. We invite you to do what only you can do, and that is take us deeper into your heart. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're already here. You're already moving. And we thank you that you've done everything for us. We just ask that you would activate us at a deeper level tonight. Every man, woman, and child in this room would experience the fullness of family because of what you're doing. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Yeah, he's teaching us about family in this church, and he's repairing our hearts to live out healthy family. How many of you know it takes a little bit of health in our hearts to live out healthy family? And this is happening at two levels. It's happening in our natural families but it's also happening us at a spiritual family in that God's teaching us and training us how to do that. Career politician Daniel Patrick Moynihan uh, was asked after a 40-year career in politics by the New York Times, he said, they asked him, what, what are the things that you've seen in your 40 years as a politician? And he said this, he said, the biggest change in my judgment is that the family structure has come apart all over the North Atlantic world. He went on to say, if we have stronger families, we will have stronger schools, stronger churches, stronger communities with less poverty and less crime. The family is the linchpin of society, both economically and socially. He's so right. You know, our world is struggling with family. It's redefining family, left and right. And that struggle, we even see that in the church. And I'm so thankful that God is pouring out his grace on us in this family. The very area that the world is crumbling the most and experiencing the most brokenness is the same area that he's pouring out grace on us as a family. I'm so grateful for that tonight. Are you? Yeah, so a lot of us come from different backgrounds of church culture and um, our ecclesiology here at Riverhouse is really centered around these three pillars. The three pillars are prayer, family, and mission. Anybody ever heard those three before? Okay, all right, just checking. And, uh, you know, prayer really speaks to this vertical relationship with the Lord, much like tonight, where we get face-to-face with Jesus, where we get to encounter a good father who has good things for his kids. You know, our vertical relationship is about intimacy with the father, about intimacy with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, his son. Amen? 
And that vertical relationship leads us to a place to where we can do family differently. Because when you're with people that are connected to the heart of God, you can build family like no other. And so family, we bring that intimate connection into family, spiritual family, and God connects us. The Holy Spirit brings connection uh, among us, and we get to be seen. We get to be known. We get to belong to a family. Amen? Amen. And then we take that intimacy, and we take that connection in family, and we get to minister to the world. We get to export something that's beautiful. You know, we don't have much to export if we don't have intimacy and if we don't have family. Our mission as a church is hollow if we don't have those two things first. Amen? So it's prayer, vertical, it's family, horizontal, and then it's mission. We get to take our gifts and our callings and we get to serve the world around us. Prayer, family, mission. I want to just share a quick testimony. Uh, Shelly, where are you at? Would you come up? This is Shelly Williams, everyone. And Shelly's going to share a quick testimony of a mission that we just did as a revival group. I think it was about a week ago uh, in Meridian. This is our third year of doing an outreach uh, as a revival group. And this year was really cool. Every year we sponsor single moms. And we go out and we pray and we ask God, how can we bless these single moms? So Shelly, will you tell us what happened this last time? Yeah. So we broke out into groups and in our, within our groups, we asked each other, who do you know that might fit this need? And our group was kind of silent for a while. We're like, I don't know, I don't know. We looked at each other and just in prayer, um, out of a conversation that happened with somebody randomly, it wasn't even about that topic, um, this mom popped up in conversation and a few days later, I'm like, that's it, that's her, that's the one. And um, just thinking about her and what would she need and got a list from somebody that, that knew her really well. And a few things popped up. One of them was a dryer. So she didn't have an electrical dryer. She was taking her things to um, somebody else's home. She's got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And if you can imagine how much laundry is involved in that and then having to go and transport that all the time while she's in school and working and um, going through um, a, a new divorce. And um, all of the things that had built up to that divorce, um, pornography and just pulling her heart apart. And, um, and so to be able to do practical needs like that was amazing, as well as frozen dinners. And then we wanted to write out some prophetic words for her and just ask the Lord, what's on your heart um, for her? What, what do you think about her? What's special? What do you absolutely love and adore about her? And so we wrote those down. And um, just the thought came to mind, what if we had the men read these words over to her? in her brokenness and to be able to exchange all of that hurt and that pain for that healthy voice of father. And um, yeah, it was amazing because uh, as I look back, there was somebody from almost every generation in our group in, in the men category, which was so cool. And um, so they read that over to her and, and it was awesome. And then we installed the dryer for her too. So it was just so round, it's just so fun, yeah. Come on. So what, was that, what did that experience do for her? So um, the fruit of that was she said that she felt so much peace and restored trust, not only in men. She said, I felt 
the softness of men where I usually gravitate towards uh, women and I don't feel like I can trust men. She goes, I have a newfound trust um, for men as well as God. And um, she said, I felt really close to all of you, but I felt really close to God that night. And I felt like angels were surrounding my home and that God has so much more planned for me than I even realize right now. So good. Thank you, Shelly. That story kind of messes me up every time I hear it. To, to picture a bunch of men declaring prophetic words over a single mom. Wow. Powerful. You know, the gospel means good news. And Jesus didn't only talk about good news. He actually was good news. And I love stories like that where good news is coming to people. Good news is coming to single moms in our city. Amen. So powerful. Well, I believe 2020 is an important year for us as a family. I really do. It's a big year in my family, personally. We got all these others around, hanging out with all my kids. And we like all of them. That's a good thing. But it's a big year, it's a pivotal year in our family as a church. Amen? And, um, you know, revival groups are the main way that we cultivate family around here. And we don't have enough of them. Just being direct. Can we be honest? We don't have enough revival groups. And the ones that we have are full or overfull in some cases. And I believe, it's my personal belief, we need to double our revival groups this year. We need to double them this year. You know, lots of church have gr- churches have groups. Groups is not new to churches. But we're not a church with groups. We're a church of groups. Much like Israel was a nation of tribes, we're a church of revival groups. And that's because the very origin of who we are at River House came from a revival group. It came from 10 or 12 people gathering in a living room and living out family. Because this is is how we thrive as people. We thrive in community. You know, a place where we're known, where we're seen, where we're championed, where we have a voice. These are essential for us to walk in our destiny. Amen? And our model of revival groups, these groups are essentially house churches, meaning they have their own leadership teams and structure in them. And also, our leaders are anointed to lead. They're anointed to lead. They're not just there to lead a discussion or to read a Bible story. Our leaders in our revival groups are anointed people to lead. And that's exactly the way Jesus wants it. They're empowered to lead. And these people lay down their lives for us as a family. And so I'm excited. One of my roles at Riverhouse is I get to support and serve our revival group leaders uh, and in my role. And I'm just excited to honor them today. So we're going to have them come up to the stage right now, all the revival group leaders in the room. Would come on up. That'd be great. And if you want, you can just come along this front here. Is that okay? We just do it along the front. Robin, you're coming up here with me. 
We have a few leaders that are out of town, uh, namely Scott and Megan Bailey, and Shana Smith, I believe, is out of town as well. But these are the people that are laying down their lives to cultivate family at Riverhouse. Let's, yeah, let's hear it for them. So on behalf of the entire church, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for laying your lives down. Thank you for your time, your talent, your treasure that you put at the master's feet so that we can experience family. It's beautiful, and we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Yeah, we did. We started with one little revival group, and, uh, and now we have, I don't know how many are represented here, but a whole lot more than we had. And we have a lot to go, but I really just want to tell every one of these leaders how much we appreciate you because I know how much time it takes. I was the leader of that first group. And you're not just showing up with just a lesson. Like, you're actually getting to know people, and you are creating family with them. You are doing meals with them and going and doing outreach. And it's a really big commitment. These people are pastors. They're pastoring all of you. And so I just want you all to know that I'm thankful for every single thing that you do, all the time you give, the way you pour your life out. I see some of you who have been doing it from the beginning and doing it. And, you know, it's like it's constant. You don't get breaks from it. It is just a consistent commitment in this church. And so I just want you, when you see these people, I want you to honor them. I want you to go up and get to know them because these are leaders of leaders. And so let's stand and give them a really warm applause. Awesome. Would you just extend your hand, and we're just going to pray over them. Father, we just thank you for these leaders that you've raised up in this house. And God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would just touch each one of them, would fill them. God would protect them. We thank you, Lord, for, for the family that they're cultivating in their own hearts. And we just pray, Father, that this year would be a great year for all of them. That, that they would experience great anointing, great grace, God, to lead and to serve the family of God. We ask that their leadership would be a blessing to them and grace-filled for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. Well, I, um, I've never spoken about this topic of land, but the Lord wants to talk to us about land. And when the Lord lays something on my heart, many times it's sequential. So we start over here and it kind of ends up over here. Does that make sense? So you've been forewarned. Um, there's a, every time I mention the word land and, and think about talking about land, um, there's this really odd, peculiar quote that goes through my brain. And it's from a movie called, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> and it goes like this. You ain't no kind of man if you ain't got land. <laughs> Who remembers that quote from that movie? Okay, there's other weird people out there besides me. 
I don't even know how that fits in this message. It's just weird and funny to me. Um, my own story of land, 12 years ago, we moved to Idaho. We're one of the implants, transplants. And 12 years ago, we moved from Idaho, and God started to give me a picture of land. I started, I, 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 we were driving around looking at houses, and I'm like, man, I want, I want one of these big spreads. I want one of these few acre parcels where I could have a fruit tree orchard, maybe a pond, maybe plant myself some trout in those ponds. You know, I started to get a vision for land. Is there any other guys out there that are like me? Okay, there's a few of you. Okay. Now, the unfortunate thing is my wife didn't share my vision. My wife had a different vision, and she had a vision of a neighborhood uh, where there was lots of kids and friends for my kids and our kids and schools in the same neighborhood. So who do you think won this little power struggle. Yeah. Yeah, Tisha won this power struggle, and she got her beautiful new home, but I still managed to get my fruit tree orchard on my property. It was tough, but I did. So anyways, a number of months ago, I was led to read the book of Joshua, and Joshua is a book of promises fulfilled. And God's people held a promise. They held a promise in their heart. And it was a promise for land. It was a promise for a home. And if you remember the story, they didn't have a home. They didn't have land. They were waiting. They were cultivating this promise, this inheritance. And Joshua 1.6 says, the Lord says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. People inherit a land. People inherit a land. And I believe just like Israel was called to inherit a land, I believe we're called to inherit a land. Just like Israel was cultivating and waiting for an inheritance from the Lord, something they could possess, something that could be theirs, I believe God's people are the same way today. I believe that we are people that carry a promise of land in us. And where they had a physical land, we have a spiritual land. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have land in you. That's it. You got land in you. Land in you is what you carry inside you. It's that promise, it's that inheritance, it's that calling, it's that thing that you are stewarding to release into the world. That's your land. We have land to take in the kingdom, church. We have an inheritance in the Lord. Another way of thinking about the land that you're stewarding is looking at the seven mountains of culture. Hopefully some of you have seen the seven mountains of culture before. But here they are. If you can't see them, I'll read them. Government, media, business, family, education, religion, arts, and entertainment. 
Most of us probably our land is connected to passion to influence one of those mountains. What's the land that's inside of you tonight, Riverhouse Church? What's that thing that you're, that hopeful inheritance that you're stewarding and cultivating? One of my favorite parts of Revival Group is when we get to break into microgroups and we get to share from our hearts and we get to pray for each other. And the reason I love to do this so much is because I get to see the land in people. I get to see what's in people's hearts, what they're carrying, what they're stewarding. And every person I meet at Riverhouse has got land in them. We're a people of land in here. We're a people of promise. We're a people that are stewarding and cultivating things in the kingdom to do. Powerful people in this room. And I remember one time, uh, Kendra Patton was in my micro group, and I didn't, I didn't even know Kendra Patton. Kendra Patton, where are you tonight? She's right there. Hi, Kendra. I don't even know Kendra. I mean, I knew her, but I didn't really know her. And so we're in this group, and we're praying, and all of a sudden, I see the gifts in her life. I see what the land that she's carrying, that she's been stewarding, and it's like, whoa. I love that, and I've had that with countless people since then in Revival Group because we are a people that have land inside of us. Are you connecting with this idea of land? Okay, before we move on, I want to make sure. Not losing anybody. You may say, Justin, I don't know what my land is. That's okay. That's the beautiful thing about a prophetic community. A prophetic community will call the land out of you. Because prophecy is for people in land. That's what prophecy's for. It's for people in land, and it's for land in people. It calls out what's in you. It calls out your inheritance in the kingdom. It calls out the thing that you're cultivating and stewarding inside of you. It calls out your purpose that you have in the kingdom. So if you don't know what your land is, that's okay. Hang out in a revival group. Hang out in a prophetic community and watch God call the land out of you. I remember when Tish and I were young, we were young one time, and we started hanging out with this crowd that was mature. They were mature prayer people. They were mature prophetic people. And they started calling out the land in us. They started calling out the things. There were prophetic words, and we would go, whoa, whoa. We've never heard this before, but it resonated in our hearts. It resonated in us. God was showing us our land. He was showing us our future. And that's so important. God wants all of us to have these experiences where people see the gifts of God in our lives and they call out the land that's in us. On to Joshua 7, 14, it says this. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. I love this scripture because it shows us the different organizational units within community. This was a theocracy. God was the king of Israel. 
and he's showing his order. He's showing the importance of tribe, of clan, of family, and of man or the individual. Isn't that interesting? That in God's government, all four of those were important? Boy, we've lost some of those in American culture today. We've lost the sense of clan. We've lost, we're losing the sense of family. But I love this, in Joshua eleven twenty three. it says this. So Joshua took the entire land, just as the Lord had directed Moses, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel, according to their tribal divisions. According to their tribal divisions. Catch what's happening here. Joshua's handing out the land, the land that's been promised. And he hands it out according to the tribal divisions. Meaning, he doesn't hand it out to individuals. He hands it out by tribe. He calls forth each tribe and says, hey guys, this is your land. Go get them. And he calls up the next tribe and he says, hey, this is your land. Go get it. Go occupy it. And he does that with all 12 tribes. Isn't that something? He hands out the land according to tribal divisions. That kind of messes with our American lenses of individuality, doesn't it? And just like God gave the land tribe by tribe, I believe God's giving it to us in the same way. Tribe by tribe. He's giving us the land. And I wonder if, I wonder if the reason why so many people don't find their destiny and their purpose in the kingdom is because we're trying to do it ourselves. I just wonder. I just wonder if God's government's better. Tribe by tribe. We need our tribe. Because doing it alone is the experience of the orphan. Doing it alone is the experience of the orphan. And God is chasing down our orphaned hearts tonight. He's chasing it down. He's so interested in us not living the orphan lifestyle any longer. River House, you need your tribe. River House, you need your tribe. River House, you need your tribe. It's time to find tribe. It's time for the land to be cultivated inside of you. And tribe is the way that God's going to help that happen. It's the people around you that are going to help cultivate what's in you. Land and tribe are connected. Land and tribe are connected. It's time to take land, but we won't do it by ourselves. There's a reason why God wants us to be in tribe. And the reason is in Joshua 12, 9 through 24. I love this verse. It says this. These are the kings in the land that Joshua and the Israelites conquered on the west side of the Jordan. So if you follow the story, 
Joshua's giving out the land tribe by tribe. But now it says these are the kings that were in the land. So even though the land was given to them, there were kings in that land that had to be defeated. And there's the list. The king of Jericho, the king of Ai, the king of Jerusalem, and a lot of other words that are hard to pronounce. I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let you tackle that one at home. But I love this list. 31 kings had to be defeated. How many of those kings do you think got defeated by an individual? How many? Zero. Kings represent authority structures in the land that needed to be removed. Listen, just like they had kings in their land, there's kings in our land. The land that you're called to occupy, the inheritance in the Lord, there's kings in that land. And just like they didn't take them out as an individual, we're not taking them out as individuals. It takes a tribe to take out kings. Speaking personally, the land that God's called me to, marriage and family, and building the kingdom of God, and those two together. I get excited and passionate about thinking about healthy churches made up of healthy families and kids growing up, seeing the wonders of God and also seeing mom and dad love each other at home. That gets me fired up. Those, those are the two mountains that I, I'll spend the rest of my days trying to influence those mountains. But there's kings in that land. There's kings in that land. Here's one, fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is a king in that land that has to be removed, has to be defeated. We have to be teaching and training and mentoring fathers to stick around. No other way we're going to win that mountain unless fatherlessness is defeated. And none of us are going to do that by ourselves. It's going to take a tribe. Next one. Oh, nope. Statistics on fatherlessness, they're depressing, so I won't read them too many. But 75% of people in our prisons today grew up without an engaged father. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Fatherlessness is a king in the land. It's got to be removed. Amen? It's going to take a tribe to do it. The orphan spirit. Oh, boy. We could talk all night about this one, but we won't. It's a king in the land. That perpetual system of isolation and distrust that's a king in the land. And I felt like, is it okay if I take a little bit of a risk here tonight? I felt like during the worship, actually the Lord was highlighting, there's some people in the room um, that the Lord wants to break us out of um, an isolation. Specifically, I felt like there were people that have partnered with the label of loner loner, calling yourself a loner or seeing yourself as a loner or labeling yourself as a loner. And I also felt like the Holy Spirit was saying there's people 
that have partnered with other people's labels for you, which was black sheep, or don't fit in, or never fit in. And I just want to say, I think we ought to pray for you. I believe there's enough power in this room to break something very powerful off of you. If you identify with either of those, I'm not going to be interested in embarrassing anyone at all. But if you would just raise your hand, we would just love to where we are, just turn and pray that God's grace would just overwhelm you, break you out of a place of isolation, and bring you into a tribe, bring you into a family. I know it's risky, but we're a family tonight. So if those, if those fit for any of you, would you just raise your hand? Okay. So here we go, family. Would you just gather around our loved ones tonight? And begin to pray. Pray prayers that break off a yoke of bondage. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing tonight. Thank you, Father, you're removing labels tonight. Come on, church, stir it up. Pray from where you're at. Pray from wherever you're at. Father, thank you, Father, you're breaking us out of isolation tonight. Holy Spirit, thank you, you're breaking us out of any labels that we've assigned to ourselves or that others have assigned to us. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come and remove that which has been attached to our soul, to our spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing all across this room. All across this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. There's other kings in the land. How about lust? Lust is a king in the land. Disconnection is a king in the land. Shame is a king in the land. Divorce is a king in the land. Pornography is a king in the land. These are kings in the land. 
And they're not going to get defeated by an individual. They're going to get defeated by a tribe. Come on. You guys are waking up. What I love about this the most is even Jesus had a tribe. If there was one person who didn't need a tribe, it was Jesus. If there was one guy on the planet that could have done it all by himself, it was him. And yet the first thing that he does is he builds himself a tribe. The government of heaven. Doing it God's way. Jesus built a tribe. He built a family. He built people that he knew, that he trusted, that he did life with. This is what Jesus did. And this is what changed the world. Wow, that was better than the response. <laughs> you guys need to step your game up a little bit here. Jesus raised up and mentored people that would carry the land with him. Jesus had land in him. It was the kingdom of God coming from heaven and touching earth. That was the land that he was cultivating and stewarding for 30 years before he was activated in it. Stewarding what he saw in heaven. And he gathered a tribe around him to release the land with him. To take the land. And guess what? You and I are part of that. There were disciples that somehow you came into contact with. That because of them... You now are part of the tribe. You're part of the tribe that's releasing the kingdom into the earth. The kingdom of God into the people of this city. Amen? Amen. So crowds don't change the world, but tribes and families do. We're going to have a Super Bowl here in a few months. And the Super Bowl will come and the Super Bowl will go. And there will be no momentum, no movement. Crowds have their place in the world. They're events. They're fun. They're cool. We get excited about them. But there's no movement. There's no momentum. What creates movement and momentum is a tribe and a family. People that will carry the land with us. Amen? And Jesus was able to empower this tribe he never empowered the crowd, but he empowered the tribe and the family. In Matthew 28, 16 through 20, he said, all authority. Say that, all authority. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Similarly, he did the same thing for the 72. In Luke 10, verse 1, he said, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus empowered people in his tribe, in his family, because he trusted them. And that's why he started a people movement. All right.
Almost done here. You guys doing okay? So Jesus' model was to build a family and a tribe of people that would change the world. And here we are today doing the same thing. And I was in the prayer room about two weeks ago, and the Lord spoke to me very clearly. He said this. He said, prepare the living room. Prepare the living room. I didn't know what that meant. But as I prayed into that, I really believe the Lord's leading us into a season of fellowship. A profound grace is being released in this house for fellowship. Profound grace, one that we haven't seen yet. I feel like we've been in the, the vertical move, and I really believe that God's setting us up for a very profound horizontal fellowship to take place. This word fellowship is a good word. It's koinonia. It's fellowship of the Spirit. It's where God's grace hovers over his people, and the Holy Spirit knits hearts together. That's what fellowship is. That's what koinonia is. And I believe God's pouring out grace upon us to have living room experiences with each other that are transformational. Transformational. And I've, as I've prayed over this word, I feel like there's three ways that we need to apply it. The first one, thank you. The first one uh, is this. In our literal living rooms, that we need to prepare our literal living rooms in our literal homes. And what I saw was that our living rooms are not a place of fellowship. That in some of our homes, that we actually need to rearrange the furniture in our homes. Our living room has become a thoroughfare, a place of passing from one point to the next. And God's saying to us, I want it to be a place of fellowship. I want it to be a place of sitting, of lingering, a place to hang out, a place to laugh, a place to dream, a place to talk, a place to ask questions, a place to share life. God's saying, let's reorganize our living rooms. This is especially true if we're raising families. Our families need to be places of fellowship. Our living rooms need to be places of discussion and conversation. Amen? A place to share life. Listen, our kids need a living room experience. That was, again, kind of a weak response, guys. I'll say it one more time. You ready? Our kids need a living room experience. All right, the second way I felt like we're supposed to apply this is the living room of our own hearts. Prepare the living room. The living room of my own heart, meaning this is where I live from. This is my living room. And what I felt like God was saying was, make room for people in here. There is a clan and a tribe that he's bringing for you, for me. But we've got to make room for them in here. 
We've got to make room for them in here. Some of our loneliness has been because we haven't made room for people in here. Some of us are lonely and disconnected, and we need to make some room in here for people. Amen? I remember our first revival group meeting over two years ago. Tish and I were sitting there. I was sitting in a room full of people I didn't know. And I would love to tell you that I was so excited inside. <laughs> I was excited. But what was actually coming up mostly for me was a lot of pain. A lot of pain. And I remember having a conversation with God, saying, God, can I really do this again? Can I really let people in here again? Can I really trust people in here? I can trust them out there, but can I really trust them in here? God, can I do this again? And I remember partnering with with God, partnering with what heaven was doing and deciding, I can, I can do this, God. I'm gonna trust you that you're bringing the tribe of people I need in this season of my life. Listen, that decision wasn't easy. That was not an easy decision for me, but I made it. And two years later, I'm so thankful I did. Listen, we are wounded in community and we are healed in community. And some of us have been wounded in community. And I believe that God's pouring out grace on us. If we will partner with heaven and open up room in our living room, in our own hearts, God, that tribe is actually part of our healing. God wants to heal us. Amen? Amen. There's healing for us in the living room. The last way that I felt like the Lord wanted us to apply this was this. Uh, that God's pouring grace on us to host each other in our homes. That some of us need to actually be hosting each other in our homes. And that the Holy Spirit is going to do some really amazing connecting. Get to know them. Love them. Pray with them. Get to see the land that they carry inside of them the inheritance that's in them. Get to see that. Watch what happens. Watch the connection that God makes with you. Watch what he does. I believe that there's going to be future revival groups birth out of your living room. I believe there's going to be future ministries birth out of your living room. If we will partner with God in this season and invite people into our living room spaces in our homes. Watch the connections that are made. Watch the family that's cultivated. You may say, yeah, we're too busy for that. Okay. I'll tell you this. If we're too busy for regular fellowship, we're probably too busy. We're probably too busy. AJ's taking complaints tonight, so if you're offended... If you're offended by that, talk to AJ. He's our guy. Listen, there are miracles waiting to happen in our living rooms. There are miracles waiting to happen. 
Fellowship that happens in the living room is key to breaking the orphan spirit. The orphan spirit is broken by fathers and mothers and family. And there's something about grace being poured out on our living rooms that's going to break the orphan spirit. So, we are a people of promise. Riverhouse, we have land to inherit. There's land in you. We have things inside of us to do in the kingdom, both the church and the marketplace. And we won't take the land by ourselves. It's going to happen in tribe. We won't defeat the kings in the land by ourselves. It's going to happen in tribe. There's grace being poured out in this house to find your tribe, to find your people. Prepare the living room. Watch what God does with us as a family. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go into ministry time now. So I'd love to invite the ministry team forward. And I just felt like we're supposed to just cultivate an atmosphere of going after whatever's being stirred up in your heart. And I'd love to invite Jordan or the worship team forward if they're comfortable doing that. And I really felt like going into tonight, there were two things. I felt like there were people that have experienced great disappointment and people who've experienced disillusionment. Especially from past tribe. You've had tribe. You've had your people. But there was great pain from those experiences. I feel like the Lord is really on that tonight for us. And so there's grace tonight. I really believe there's grace to kickstart or to finish that healing process in our lives. Amen. Well, let's all stand. I'm just going to pray, and then we'll just invite the ministry time to take over. Father, I'm so grateful for this family. Father, I'm so grateful for the family that you're raising up in this day. Thankful for each and every one of this family at Riverhouse, God. And Lord, tonight you're going after our hearts. You're taking us into deeper waters of what it means to be a family. And Lord, tonight, there's people in this room that don't have their tribe. And Father, I just ask that you would bring that for them quickly. You'd bring us into a place where we know what it's like to have our tribe, God. And Father, I just thank you for the healing that's about to happen in your sons and daughters in this room. We just thank you. You're pouring yourself out. You're pouring out the Father's love tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.